Is the Twitter all a Twitter? Can it be? Isn't the Twitter always a Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> that's like that's like one of those great mysteries in life. Do we want to start over, or, or is oh, that the beginning? Sorry. I'll leave that in as the beginning. Nah. <laughs> I, I don't I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Sound. <gasps> if we want to win at Giginals, we better sing about both sounds. Yeah! Good thing we have a big budget. Just a small town G. Starting words like goose and glee. She took the G train going, 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 going. Just a city. Starting words like gingerbread. Took a G train going, gone, gone, gone. Don't stop your G. There's the sounds that you're hearing. Good evening, Jennifer. Good evening, Ed. Good evening, Josh. Welcome to the Gleeful Podcast with Josh, Jen, and Ed. You can find us online at gleefulpodcast.com, on Twitter at Gleeful Podcast. I'm at Josh Brunel. She's at Jenny B. Creative. He's with Edward Giordano. We started off there with the Glee spoof from Sesame Street, which is quite hilarious. As Jennifer knows, one of my dreams in life is to be a Muppet. Um, well, I mean, not like for good, like just to have a Muppet, like, like, like I don't want to meet, you know, like I rub a lamp and I'm like, I want to be a Muppet. And then the next day I made a felt and this is, I made the wrong wish. You know, I didn't think it through. Uh, wow. <laughs> did I just go off my, the rails on that fantasy? <laughs> my life would change. Uh, and yet Quite not as much as you'd think. So <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I dance the same. Uh, my nose would still be large and floppy. Uh, so <laughs> In your hair. And I'd still n- only be able to hold things with one hand. So uh, welcome to the Gleeful Podcast. Uh, if you haven't seen the Glee Sesame Street. Uh, the G. The G, yes. Sesame Street spoof. It is pretty hilarious. Seeing Brad as a Muppet is oh one of God. the joys of my life. <laughs> uh, They're all pretty great. They've got the keys in there. They have Kurt as a Muppet. No. I'm a Muppet maniac. There's no question. I can't think of a blatantly, flamingly gay Muppet before, like, you know, like the sparkly Kurt Muppet being like, uh-huh. this is fabulous. Like, right. I mean, that's a first for me. I haven't watched Sesame Street in a few decades. Uh, well, you should. I should. You should. Uh, the, the Will Muppet looks nothing like Will, but the Sue Muppet looks perfect. Oh, and the Rachel Muppet... And the Finn Muppet, we had a little problem with at first. We weren't sure. We, I think we thought it was Blaine at first. We were a little confused about the Finn but Muppet. Then, but then I thought it was Mike. I don't oh, know. yeah. We I think we thought it was Artie. The Finn Muppet we thought was Artie. No. Or no, we, it's obvious Artie. I don't know. We were a little confused. Yeah, we yeah. thought it was Mike. That's what it was because yes. his skin is orange. And so we thought, oh, that must be Mike Chang. But apparently we're just uh, Canadians have orange skin and green noses. So uh, <laughs> if you haven't seen it, it's hilarious. Ed, have you seen the uh, Sesame yes, Street Glee? Yes, I have. And uh, and your opinion? I thought, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, it's just it's just a testament to to the show. Like how how popular it's been, and how like you you said this last week that you should be able to watch any episode of the show and be able to enjoy it without knowing anything. But the fact is, everyone knows the premise of season one, whether they watched it or not. True. And this just attests that. So someone picking up the show now kind of already kind of knows what's going on. They know Sue's mean. They know Rachel's a fame whore. Like they know <laughs> that they know this already. They know they know Will can't rap. They haven't watched a single episode, and yet they know Will cannot rap, <laughs> and Finn cannot dance. They know these things. That so, is very true. 
So yeah, so yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's, it's enough of the cultural lexicon at this point that everyone's got a good foundation. Um, it's funny, I was actually pitching a Glee story to a friend of mine and I was like, oh, what am I doing? You don't know the show. And he's like, you don't have to. You just like, I know who these characters are just out of con or just by context. Uh, which is why we love it. We're here to talk about the latest episode, episode two, season three, entitled "I'm a Unicorn," and uh, I'm just gonna go on, go, go down right now and say, best episode since season one, top five episodes of Glee in the run, my opinion. Wow, Jennifer, I thought it was great. I think it's definitely the best episode of the season so far. Ed, yeah. I'm a unicorn. It was a joke. Uh, See, I feel I feel it was good, but I feel like like last last episode. I feel like it's a B plus, almost almost magic, but not there. And and I'll get into this later. But I feel like the whole I'm a unicorn thing for Kurt is actually representative of Glee itself. I will uh, yes, we'll totally we'll totally discuss that because I agree entirely. Um, and uh, but yes, I. I do I like what Jennifer said. It's the best episode of the season so far. Um, we love it too. That is true. That is you can't. You, that's like that ugh. was a joke. <laughs> um, I was but, just pay, I was just trying to see if Josh was paying attention, but clearly he was. I was in the. I was. I know I'm you're, you're in your producer zone. Uh, but I mean, and I agree, Ed. It's still it's still a B plus A minus episode. I would say because of song choice. It's a B yeah. plus and not an A minus. Yeah, maybe, if maybe I have that's any complaint. the separation. Yes. Because it's, it's not an A minus to me. Like, I feel like last episode was a B plus. I feel like this one is a more solid B plus, but still a B plus. See, th- that was, that's my complaint about this episode. Uh, actually, my two major complaints about this episode. Oh, and, and the whole, like, Blaine solo at the end that was totally just tacked on. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would say for me it was song choice in this episode was really rough. Um, it, it, it just... Uh, well, actually, as long as I have this up, let's hear from, uh, where'd you go? Hang on. I have a voicemail that's going to say everything that I want to say, but now I can't find it. Darn. Uh, well, anyway, um, yeah, I think that it was the... It was just a little rough to have all of these songs from the past. They need that one kind of uh, uh, current number to mm-hmm. kind of make it oh, all. Oh yeah, to, to, work, to you know? ground it in 2011. Well, I okay. Let's let's say they added. Let's say they added uh, two minutes or three minutes of the show, where well, they almost had that moment where Quinn came back when she came back and talked to everyone but like a little bit after that and everyone's and Quinn's back in the choir room and they do some big modern group number and that doesn't really tie anything together but you feel better about your life afterwards and <laughs> uh, and, and it was a modern hip song and it was cool and somewhat inventive but not too different you still knew what it was would would that have ta- would that that alone have that when that took it to A minus level I think for me that would have made it like if that possibly would have made it a solid A if they had ended the show like Quinn comes back and they have one like unifying we're back number and then it ends with like evil Quinn like just a uh, you know a look at the camera like I'm gonna go I'm gonna mess all of this happiness up and then like Brad Follycheck television logo comes on I think that would have been perfection for Josh you see for me I was really waiting for something a little bit more um, contemporary modern with with Kurt, like when Kurt was going back for his yeah. second chance, I'm like, okay, cool. What are you going to do? You know, I thought he was going to do something very, very hip, very modern. Just he went another direction. Well, here, I did find that voicemail. This is okay. a listener, Lisa from Malibu. Hi, this is Lisa from Malibu. And um, I just want to give my two cents about last night's episode. I just think... Um, I love the Broadway numbers, but they need to mix in some pop numbers. I watched the show with my um, teenagers and preteen, and they they like to hear the Beyonce and all that <laughs> mixed in with the Broadway. And um, I think they're losing interest, and they're really tired of Kurt and the Broadway numbers. Um, that doesn't appeal to a lot of <clears throat> teenagers. But um, Blaine, you know, saves the episode again 
And I like the Quinn and Puck um, storyline with the baby Beth. So too much Sue, too much Kurt. And um, Rachel's dresses are longer now. I think that means, you know, showing the mature side of her. But you guys have the best <laughs> podcast. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. That's so, awesome. yeah, I think uh, that's exactly, I think, what we're trying to say here. I mean, the Broadway is fun, and especially since we're Broadway, you know, I'm a Broadway maniac, but even I'm going, uh, it's a bit much. And between last episode and this episode, more than half the songs of the season thus far have been mm-hmm. Broadway. Yeah. That's a that's a predominance of Broadway. Um, now, we should talk about this unicorn thing, which you brought up, Ed, Um the the definition of a unicorn in this episode was a unicorn is someone who's magical and doesn't know it, and where Brittany no, is saying well, that yeah, to yeah continue, continue Brittany I'm is sorry. saying that to Kurt, and yeah. uh, that's why she wanted him to run for class president was because she said he was a unicorn he was magical and he didn't know it and then I guess as soon as you know it you become a horse is how that works I don't really your, know your, your horn drops off but Kurt was running for class president anyhow Kurt was announced he? it he announced it already. So yeah, but but he, his campaign was right defined like, by her. Yes. So Ed, how did you feel about this whole unicorn metaphor through the episode? I thought it was strong, and I thought it was interesting, and 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 only a character like Brittany could bring it to the table, and I could take it seriously. So <laughs> I definitely appreciated that. And um, and it, it's kind of like and I, I was thinking about the unicorn metaphor in in, in like. In, in like in comparison to Glee as itself, it's like it's like season one, they knew like they knew they were magical and they just like let the magic happen. But in season two, they were so focused on making points that some yeah. characters just fell away and all the magic kind of disappeared. So, so that's that's that is so they like they they thought they were like they they thought they were magical in season two. So they were like, well, we're gonna make a point on top of the magic. But then they, they made a point, but they lost the magic. So now they're like, oh, well, we need to, we need to just let the characters naturally happen, and mm-hmm. the magic will just, hap- will just flow. They'll shit uh, cotton candy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, I would love to make that the title of the episode, but I don't know if I can. Um, you know, it's... You, Get creative in your punctuation. Fan 96 I think, is correcting me in saying that a unicorn is someone who's magical and not afraid to show it. That is yeah. correct. Which... which yeah, I mean, the thing about it that's uh, the concept I struggle with this whole unicorn thing is I I kind of feel like isn't aren't everyone in the glee club like that? Like is Kurt really unique in that um whereas like I th- it's kind of the whole purpose of glee club is to make everyone into one of these people but i guess what they were kind of going for is this concept that like kurt is this person who has magic and isn't afraid to show it and then when he's tested he tries to find a way to like hide it and to uh uh to like morph into other types of characters yeah yeah yeah, exactly um it was an interesting kind of message in the show i'm not i'm not really sure what to take away from it in a way where like you know so here's kurt who can't deny what he is but then it looks like like blaine is going to be like the more of the morphing leading man um it's it's just it's an interesting concept i didn't really feel like it ever came together it it, it was it it didn't you know it didn't quite sing jennifer yeah i mean it was it was a little frustrating because I mean, on the surface, if we if we hadn't, you know, seen Kurt go through everything that he's gone through in the last two years mm-hmm. about, you know, I- acknowledging who he is, opening up about who he is, um, you know, confronting his father about it, defending mm-hmm. it, defending his wardrobe, defending his music and all of this stuff. Like if he hadn't already been through all this, I think this would have been more interesting. But it's sort of like, why are we still kind of talking about this? Like, I yeah. mean, and, and, and yeah, the fact that he wanted to deny who he was so that he could get a role and he still didn't quite get what it was that they were looking for like they didn't they they weren't challenging his performance they were just saying that he has a quality that isn't suited for that particular role as opposed to somebody else and then he's like well I'm going to show them that they're wrong and I think he kind of confirmed their yeah. <laughs> idea of who he is. So 
it was all kind of poorly executed, I felt. Well, it was funny because I... How... How close was it to the Ain't That America number, the like Little Pink Houses from season one? At I least think then he it seemed understood. like it was pretty much the exact yeah. same plot line, just you know, the, where that one was about music and this one was about acting yeah. and, and you know, performance. So it felt really similar to me in that regard. I kind of felt like I, you know, we've kind of been down this path before. That said, I mean, seeing him do Romeo with like the deep vocal register and, and yeah. I, I mean I thought that that was great television mm-hmm. and if it hadn't been for having kind of already seen it in season one I think I would have liked it a lot more and I didn't even hate it it's kind of funny for him to walk out in those tights and be like all right well now I'm going to prove to you that I can be masculine and they're well, like ha ha yeah I mean like that's the thing like when he did the Mellencamp thing he was trying to be his father's idea of masculine and now he's trying to be the drama clubs. Yeah, idea society's idea. And it's just, it's, it, I just, yeah, it just didn't, it didn't ring true to me. Mm. But, um, it was funny yeah, when just, Rachel said, I'd just I, like to point out that I, I got this script 10 minutes ago and I'm already off book. Uh, <laughs> yes. uh, Ed, if I'm not mistaken, well, that's, this is what, that, that's stuff like, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. If I'm not mistaken, is Little Pink Houses the only uh, song performed on the show that's never been released on MP3 and no one really wants it to be? Um, no, there's been other songs. It's the only one I can think of that never got released I, I, and I, nobody's I, I complaining about. I know there about. has been other songs. <laughs> I know. Like... I I can't, um I can't think of one right at this instant, but I know it has. <laughs> uh, you know, Glee's big number in this episode was "I'm the Greatest Star." I'm sorry, Kurt's big number in this episode was "I'm the Greatest Star," and uh, let's go ahead and take a listen to that. Um, this was him attempting to audition for Tony from West Side Story, and if you are familiar with West Side Story, you get that that's a hilarious joke. Uh, here's "I'm the Greatest Star" on the Gleeful Podcast. Well, it must be a plot. Cause the scared that I got. Such a gift. Well, I miffed. Cause I'm the greatest star. I am by far. But no one knows it. Wait, they're gonna hear a voice. A silver flute. They'll cheer each toot. Hey, I hear it's terrific. Hmm. When I expose it. Now, can't you see to look at me that I'm a natural Camille? As Camille, I just feel I've so much to offer. Hey, listen, kid, I know I'd be divine because I'm a natural copper. <laughs> Of talent laugh <laughs> they'll bend in half did you have the story about the traveling salesman a thousand jokes stick around for the jokes a thousand faces I they're seriously gonna they should just do funny girl at this point <laughs> like every they're like oh we're gonna do another song from funny girl pretty soon they're gonna run out of them and start over again it'll, it'll be all duets between kurt and rachel we're gonna start doing well, funny well, lady well, songs well, re- they could do it because they'll do people to do funny girl <laughs> so. Uh, so yes this was Kurt I, I definitely enjoyed the number yeah. if it wasn't you know if it wasn't like me rolling my eyes and being like oh gosh another Streisand funny girl number uh, I, that aside I thought it was a really fun number and it was cool choreography I mean it was just kind of different uh, Jennifer what did you think of I'm the greatest star yeah I mean I I agree it's if if this were just one performance I were watching, I would be thoroughly enjoyed. I would, I would just think it was great. But I think in a, in a episode that was so heavily musical theater, I mean, I just didn't understand. It's like, okay, fine, they're doing they're they're doing they're casting for the musical West Side Story. So I understand you're gonna do the hits from West Side Story, and that's fantastic. Yeah, he should have done a song from West Side Story. That, and so to go to yet another. Broadway show that really doesn't apply musically or thematically so I again I'm kind of left 
scratching my head a little bit. <laughs> but as a standalone performance, I mean, he's he's fantastic. I mean, like if he just did a Broadway show, like you know Judy Garland did on uh, you know at Carnegie Hall, like that, if he did like a one man show like that, it would be fantastic. Yeah. Uh, he, he had a great, great quote before he did this one where he says, I'm going to do uh, a song from Funny Girl, and I got permission from the woman herself, Rachel Berry. <laughs> so, well, uh, okay, I missed that. It, it just came to me, since the spinoff isn't happening, what, what's <laughs> going to happen in season four. Kurt, Kurt, and, Kurt and Rachel are going to get a role in some musical in New York, and it's going to be called the Broadway episode. And there, and the Glee Club is going to go on a field trip to New York, and then Kurt and Rachel are going to perform the pretty much the entire episode, Broadway songs, and that's going to be an episode of season four. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and what well, did you think I of this one, watch Ed? That. <laughs> being being less familiar with the musical theater and such, how did you feel about this one? I thought the daggers were dangerous. Why were so. they even there? <laughs> I was like, why are you doing this? Why yes. are you doing this? It's so funny because I was just, I, I just was at a presentation about, uh, about lessons in twirling. And I saw the techniques that I just learned about like, <laughs> just today. Like you, you just like scoop the, the twirling stick. And it's like, oh, you're totally just doing that. It makes it, you look like you're doing a lot, but I know, I know it's just smoke and mirrors. <laughs> so, um, I'm gonna take but a twirling class. It was it was it was it was forward slash random, like as, <laughs> as, um. So I I wish I wish there was a more pop, but maybe that's just me coming from my pop centric point of view. No, but I think we all agree with you. Yeah, absolutely. There should be I don't know. Like I haven't hated any songs, and, and I don't. But I also haven't known any of them until. It happened, and I was like, oh, "Well, this is okay." Yeah, it's 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 a bit of a stretch right now. I mean, even even I'm having trouble. Like, I I I know I'm the greatest star, but I don't know it like really well. If you didn't tell me what show it's from, I would have just said, "Oh, that sounds like a Streisand song. It must be Funny Girl or Funny Lady or the way we were." I don't know, but uh, you know, pick one. But uh, a it, Star is Born. Star, yeah. <laughs> I think I have um, to start moving on to her later stuff. Oh, that star. That song she does at the end of Stars War. Anyway, um, so yeah, it's it, it's an interesting touch. Now, uh, it looks like we've got some cool conflict coming from Kurt and Blaine. Yeah. With Blaine, you know, performing the big solo, obviously he's going to get Tony. I think it's impossible for him not to get Tony. Uh, is, no, and but Kurt, he, Kurt left before, and, and Blaine... Is going to do the right thing and not. I mean, not. Well, the we right don't know thing. what he's going to do because. No, but, but I already. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. What he did was that he's. It's like no, I can't take that role. Well, we'll have to find out. I mean, if it's if it for good television, he's going to say absolutely. I'll play Tony, and then they're going to fight about it. But well, <laughs> okay. I don't think he's going to take it. I think. I think Blaine is, is is ruining. Is like like Baywatch has been ruining images of women for men for years. Wayne is ruining images <laughs> for gay men for ages now. Like he's destroying he's destroying any hope that I have ever have of finding anyone realistically good because he's setting <laughs> such a unrealistic standard. So he's gonna do the right thing or not the right. I'm not saying it's the right thing because the right thing in my opinion is him to take the part. But the the, the, the air bunny right thing. He's gonna not take the part and. Kurt's gonna get it, and it may, it may fail both. No, the the right thing is for Kurt to be mature enough to say, "I am not right for this, but you are." And as the man oh, who okay. loves you, oh, I want you to succeed. Should be mature now, really. Well, you're right. saying that you're saying that Blaine should be mature because enough to is, not take the role. Is, Blaine is unrealistic. <laughs> uh, he's on, like, of course he's gonna do that thing because he is is he's unrealistic. <laughs> when <laughs> you say unrealistic, you mean he's perfect. Yes, <laughs> he, he's written to be the perfect boyfriend. Okay, wait, in in he's a junior. Well, he's younger than Kurt. They, they let's establish that because they want to keep him for another year. <laughs> let's go ahead and take a listen to this message from Emily. Hi, Josh, Jen, and Ed. This is Emily from New Hampshire, and New Hampshire. I'm calling to just say what I thought about uh, this week's episode. And I just wanted to say that since when is Blaine a junior? I'm pretty sure when we first saw him, we thought he was a senior. Now he's a junior. 
I don't know. It just kind of the credits gives you a new perception on their relationship because Blaine always <laughs> seemed to be Kurt's mentor, but now it turns out he's a year younger, and he was only a sophomore when Kurt met him. <laughs> there must not be any good upperclassmen in the Warblers if the sophomores getting all the solos. <laughs> and um, I just like to say that I thought Quinn was a little crazy this week. Um, if she thinks that acting all strange is going to get her her baby back, I don't know. I just know that fight's definitely going to go down, and I don't even know if Puck even knows what to think of this. Well, we will get to all of that uh, in a second. But, yeah, it is funny, like, how it seems like a really simple thing to do on paper. Is like, oh, wait, Blaine's a junior, so we can keep him one more year on the show. Yeah, that makes sense. And that'll give us some drama. Awesome, Blaine's a junior. But then when you, like, pull at the threads on the corners, oh, yeah. it totally falls apart. It does. <laughs> and, it, and it's a little creepy i don't know it's just a little funny <laughs> like i mean you really look at it yeah because kurt i mean looks younger than him he acts younger than him he just doesn't he, there's so many things that you know now the this whole idea of him being the mentor i mean it doesn't mean yeah i mean a mentor can be younger but it just yeah it just kind of like boggles it feels weird it yeah. definitely feels off and i mean i mean hey can you blame the show I mean, I don't. No, not at all. But but if they could explain it in a way better than, you know, well, I think just stating it. Ed, you've got it. It's credits didn't transfer, right? Well, I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, so somehow Dalton Academy's classes don't have enough, enough weight uh, against McKinley High when exactly. nobody's ever in class. Uh, well, we also had some other stuff as well, but before we do, let's go ahead and take a quick listen to a song. Um, go ahead. What musical? <laughs> uh, oh, from from West Side Story. Because uh, that's all, all the joke. other songs are from West Side. Oh, okay. <laughs> nicely done. Sorry, I'm going to give it up tonight. I'm <laughs> obviously not delivering. <laughs> no. Um, so, yes, we have uh, we had the return of Adina Menzel in this episode, uh, coming back as Shelby Corcoran. And uh, just to, you know, I, I, at one point I was like, Shelby Corcoran is Rachel's mom and adopted Quinn's kid. I'm like, why didn't she move to the freaking moon? Like, why would you go back? Because Asperger's dad would have brought her back anyhow. Oh, yes. Sugar brought her. Sugar's dad brought her back. Okay. And and I just have to say, Lee Michelle must be tiny because I've stood stood next to Adina Menzel. And she's tiny. But Adina (laughs) Menzel always towers over Rachel Berry. Yeah. Or Lee Michelle. Uh, well, let's go Just ahead saying. and take a listen to their duet in this episode. After Everybody drink. Sirens. And uh, here is. There it goes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is Somewhere, uh, performed by Leigh Michelle and Ian Menzel on the Goodfoot Podcast. I think that this is the first episode where Leah Michelle got outsung. Thank you. Like, got spanked. And I'm like, I know, as I was listening to this, I'm like, wow, Leah Michelle has such a great voice. And then Adina Menzel's just like, yeah. I'm like, oh, wow, that's 
That's just unfortunate. It's that note right <laughs> before I turned I turned it down, yeah. where Dina Menzel like smashes this note, and then Leah Michelle's like, I almost there. I think I can get it. It's crazy. Yeah. No. It, and, and this is another situation. Like I remember when um, Kurt and Rachel were doing the duet of Defying Gravity, and I was I felt kind of cheated. Because I think they're both fantastic, but they're both different. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to hear each one sing it on their own and not be doing this jumping back. And I got the same feeling last night. And, you know, there are other duets. I didn't really think much about it. But this one, it was just like, ooh. Yeah, she, <laughs> she, she lost that round. It's also... And she's still, like, better than 99.9% of the people on the planet. But... <laughs> Yeah, totally. It's just the one just person the one who can person mop the floor there. Uh, there was interviews with Adina Menzel when she was talking about how, uh, or she talked a lot about, th- about this on her tour too, where um, she'd recorded all of her season uh, one scenes um, like right after she'd had a baby. So she's wearing black all the time. And seriously, this episode was like, I lost the baby weight dress everywhere she walked. And she was constantly walking out from behind things and being like, yep look like this now <laughs> so, uh, she's... but she was fantastic on the show and and it was again like i think what's what's really working for me in this episode is there was so much conflict mm-hmm. like so much people in turmoil in this episode and they were in the turmoil that we love and it was turmoil based in character and not in message but it was still turmoil yeah. and it was still fun to watch <laughs> and the thing that i like in addition to the turmoil is people getting called on their crap Oh, well, On yeah. many occasions, people were not allowed to just be like, oh, it's not my fault. And I really <laughs> like that. Like, when Will gave the whole smackdown on Quinn, that was incredible. Yeah. I mean, and, and like, even even Bert, didn't he just, like, swatted Kurt away when Kurt was <laughs> like, oh, I bet you wish you had that son. He's like, come on, we've been through this enough. And he just, like, and yeah, he just I know. goes past. He's like, you're like, gay. We're, we're not even, we're not even, you know, <laughs> we're not even going to discuss this anymore. And, like, there were several times where it just felt very honest. And I was like, okay, this, this show has bite again. I liked it. So... It was just funny that, like, this character, Shelby Corcoran, like, she can go to any city on the planet and her life will be simple and easy, except for Lima, Ohio. And yet she goes to Lima, Ohio. I understand that it makes for good television drama. I accept that. But it was just hilarious that it's like, do you really, have you had a choice? I mean, come on. Don't you go to Lima for peace and quiet? Apparently, well, I guess, yeah. And, and I, I, I was reading something boy. that Sugar, the character, the person who plays Sugar, is actually a very good singer. So I hope like, she does rebound because I loved when I I, I want to say said. she was. Oh, I don't know what I saw. I I read somewhere that she was in something else and that she sang in that and that she was really good. So, <laughs> well, she's best known for Stick It, right? She was the the girl in the bad girl, I guess, in Stick It. Um, and she's been around. I mean, she's just one of those actresses that you've seen a thousand places. But it is funny when she was in that first episode. I didn't think we'd ever see her again. Oh, I think but was I recognized name her exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm like, it's odd that there's this name actress, but it looks like this character's <laughs> never going to come back. And sure enough, here it was. But yet, no appearance by any of the Glee Project. Um, Co-winners. Well, they, they have all one. season to. Uh, I know. Get... I'm joking. <laughs> and then, and then, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. yes. Oh, so do you? Okay, no. Ed, what do you I think did... about Adina's return on the show? Shockingly enjoyable. Shockingly, <laughs> I, I want to throw that out there that I I'm in shock of how much I enjoyed it. I did not like Adina and Kristen Chenoweth. They are fantastic, fantastic vocalists, but I. In terms of show context, I really wasn't enjoying them, but, but like new new uh, Idina, she was she she moved the plot along without sealing spotlight, which is what I want from guest stars. So yeah, good for you. Well, and it introduced this return of the Baby Beth storyline, and uh, lots of people love. So, voice okay, I, I just want, I want to be like. Who totally called it Queen would be normal by the end of episode? You two. did honestly. I was going to start off the episode. I was like, holy crap. I, and even said to Josh last night, I was like, I really thought her transition. But <laughs> but as we saw in the last few moments, it's only a physical transition at this point. Yeah. Oh, trans- no, 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 she's back. She's back. Evil Quinn is back. Oh, okay. Evil Quinn. I, 
I'm, I'm, evil yeah. manipulative Quinn, the Quinn who convinced Finn and me for a little bit because I was like, seriously, when Puck went to Idina's house, I was like, why is he there? Isn't it Finn the father with the hot tub? And then I was like, hold on, hold on. She convinced me that manipulative bitch. Oh. Well, uh, listener Abby from Texas uh, wants to take issue with you, Ed. Uh-oh. Hey, it's Abby from Texas. I was just calling in to tell you that I loved last night's episode. It felt like Glee. It felt like it was back, finally. Last week, it did not feel like Glee. It felt like everybody had left. When really, when you looked at it, about three people left. And only one of them was from the original season. It did not feel like Glee last week. And this week, oh my god, I loved it. Breaking Queen was back, and I so predicted it. I called you in and I told you. I predicted she wanted her baby. I so predicted it. Okay. So, uh, Listener Abby from Texas, also on the board, has <laughs> been called that one out as well. Oh, you know what? It's- so, if Quinn has wanted her baby back, do you think that she had or was planning to try to, in New York, track down Shelby? Oh, maybe that was why she was, she'd said, like, I have a plan for New York. Right. And then the episode ran out of time and the writers weren't able to fit it in. So they I, just I still want those minutes back. I want, I will actually buy I swear, I swear until the day I die, much like I will defend Lindsay Lohan's singing career to the day I die, that <laughs> that that episode was supposed to be 90 minutes long. And then since the 90 minute episode didn't work, they're like, we can't do that. Well, they, well, they, they said that. They yeah. said they cut 20 minutes from the show. They admitted that there were, um, there were cut scenes that they, they couldn't. Well, they always cut scenes, but I think they were important scenes. Yeah, which, I mean, come on. I mean, like, how many, how many other minutes of that episode would we have traded to see something like Quinn losing her crap? I'd say everything from the 30 minutes afterward, except okay. that would have been Raising Hope, and I really like that show. So everything <laughs> from the 30 minutes after that, which probably would have been like Traffic Light, and that show was horrible. So <laughs> they could have just put it on, on after Raising Hope. No, it got canceled. Okay. Uh, here is uh, another listener. Hi, guys. It's Adam Cam from Illinois. Uh, I love your podcast, and I just wanted to comment on last night's episode of Glee. Uh, I really liked it, and I'm really happy that they're finally addressing the baby death plot line. Um, I did feel bad for Quinn, but I'm wondering if fucking Quinn would even be able to get custody of Beth. Uh, they presumably signed away their uh, parental rights when she was born, and they're only 18 and still in high school, so they couldn't really give her a stable home. So would they even be able to get full custody of her? Uh, but I do think it would be really heartbreaking if I had to give her up a second time, especially for Puck, because watching the episode, you can really tell that he misses being a part of her life, and he kind of wishes that they got to keep her and that he got to raise her and see her more. And seeing him interact with her was really sweet. And the baby was so cute. So I really liked it. And I liked the episode. So I can't wait to hear you guys have to say about it. Bye. And I, I couldn't agree more. And seriously, this was the best acting we've seen from Mark Sowling since this show went on. I didn't even know he had it in him. Like, yeah. I was blown away by Mark Sowling's performance. Well, he, need, he needs to get this together because we all know the music career isn't happening. And he Aww. looks 30. Like when he was, when he walked into the room, when he walked into Shelby Corcoran's room, I'm like, they're going to have sex. That's the only, that's because they look like, he doesn't look like a teenager walking into this room and being like, Hey, I want to see pictures of my kid and my life's kind of messed up and I don't know what I'm going to do. He walked in and he was like, so is there going to be a Shelby Puck shippers now? So I'm sure there's a gazillion Pelby. Pelby. Pelby's. I, I guarantee there's Pelby's? a bunch of those. Uh, the, no doubt. Uh, wait, Shellberry? I like Shellberry. I'm going to take that one. Well, where's oh, wait, the Airy no. coming from? I'm, I'm taking the wrong I'm taking the wrong. Uh, yeah, you're, you're of, taking from Puckleberry. Shuck. Yeah, taking it from Puckleberry. Just Shuck? That. Shuck or Shuck? Shuck? Oh, Shuck. I like Shuck. We're going... <laughs> anyway, right. yeah, that was... Uh, that was pretty wild. And then, of course, we had, you know, we had Quinn and Shelby uh, in, in this one as well. And that was a crazy interaction between the two of them. And I think there is even even in an open adoption or even even if people even if a mother and oh, my God. OK, so just timeline really quickly. Quinn got pregnant when she was a sophomore. I was I was 14, 15 when I was a sophomore. So she had a baby when she was 16. She signed over her rights. 
I think there's like a couple of year window there where you can actually revoke that, even if you've signed away the rights to your child. So it's um yeah it, it could it could get very messy and it's a very See, you, dangerous you, game i like i like how you're all like back. logistics and yeah. my explanation to how <laughs> this is gonna work i know right like it's based in reality it, in any way <laughs> but yeah you're using all logistics and stuff like oh man like, you know you actually make sense jen well i was my explanation for how it was gonna work is it's glee that, yeah. that, was, that was simply my explanation. It's the glee factor. Well, the, you know, the right the, the right way for this to go, and honestly, I, I think the way it will go, is that Quinn is going to do exactly what Shelby said. She's going to realize that being a mother is sacrificing everything for the good of your kid, and that the good best thing for her kid is to leave her with Shelby and, and you know, yeah. be apart. Either way... This kid is going to be messed up. <laughs> like, there's yeah, no gorgeous. way. Oh, that's true. Uh, there's no way for this child to not be in therapy. Like, I don't well, see how else this is going to work. I mean, Shelby was kind of a little ambivalent. I mean, she, she did say, okay, yeah, the best thing at the time was for me to move away. But then, you know, she comes back and, and hunts down her daughter. Again, sorry, logic. Um, <laughs> Blast you on your Blast. logic. But either way, it's giving us great story. And I think, like, watching how this develops, it's going to be so cool to see how it comes together. We had, uh, as a a lot of people mentioned, we, of course, had this scene. Hey, Josh, Jen, and Ed. Um, This is Haley, the one who runs the Tumblr site and who met up with Ed in Boston. Um, How are you guys doing? Um, So I just finished watching I Am Unicorn. And I thought it was amazing. It was the best episode I've seen on this show as a whole since season one. And I think the thing that really stuck out to me about it was Mr. Schuster was finally a mature adult, and he finally took a stand against something. I mean, last week he kind of took a stand against Sugar, but that was an obvious choice, and I don't think that required too much thought on his part. But this week he actually was mature about something and was responsible for something and I think that that maybe is what made all the difference. Um, I also really liked that they only used three songs in this episode. It just like there was so much more plot and we got so much more continuity than we've ever gotten before. So I just wanted to leave that with you guys and I hope you're all doing well and thanks so much for the podcast. All right, thanks. And thank you Thanks. for the Haley? for the That's fan site. Awesome. Uh, oh yeah, Haley runs our Tumblr page. Which I love is I love Haley Roses. Yes, oh, Haley I'm Rose. so jealous you got to meet her. We've got to we've got to start connecting with some yeah, of she our fans. She lives like a mile away. Um, oh, that's right. Just, but yes, that scene where Mr. Schuster dressed down Quinn was freaking amazing. Like I think I think Jennifer and I both stood up and gave like the field goal arms in the air. Like that was freaking. <laughs> Amazing. No, we started with the the slow mo clap. <laughs> yes, the slow clap. Nicely done. Yeah. Yes, that was crazy talk. And I loved, I loved Becky's response. That was sexy. Yeah. <laughs> like, it actually kind of was. And I'm like, because the whole time I'm sort of raging in my head, thinking, "You're the one who got pregnant." Before, like you got pregnant before you joined the club, you got pregnant before you even knew of the Glee Club. Oh, that was very infuriating. So yeah, I like that, and he wasn't mean about it. I mean, he was just he he was you know defending him, defend defending the arts and defending um you know the 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 Glee Club. Yeah, more than anything, he was just kind of being like, "Look, we were your family yeah. when everything went to crap." Yeah, he and didn't now, attack her. He just defended. Yeah, yeah, you're you're coming back at us with like all of these demands, and mm-hmm. and I mean, <laughs> Sue coming back with no, it's even better now that she's gone back to the Glee Club because it shows that she has a an arts addiction, which is just <laughs> genius. Uh, so funny, you know. And okay, just just a little aside, I kind of have a problem with the whole you know Sue using the arts as a, a campaign thing because at one point she actually said I want to have the arts eliminated from schools until everybody has like above a certain GPA mm. and I kind of like that doesn't seem like the worst thing in the world they have a minimum GPA standard for all athletes so yeah. she's and kind of like I think she I, meant like, everyone in the school though oh. 
she meant like even if they're not participating yeah funding should go away so that it could all go towards grades for the school yeah it's another situation where i'm like crap sue kind of has a a kernel of (laughs) in you know good intent for the students and um yeah that was very frustrating for me (laughs) Ed, how did you feel about uh, Quinn and Will's uh, conversation, shall we say, in this episode? I, I mean, it was very true. I mean, I don't, I don't recall. I'm with the uh, mercy. I don't understand the Mercedes Quinn relationship. They wanted to be there, but much like most relationships with big, like in Big Brother, they're it's just superfluous, and it's just like <laughs> it's just by proxy you're supposed to be in a relationship. But then when push comes to shove, they would evict each other in a heartbeat. So, uh, like, yeah, I just wish, I mean, it was true. Everything he said was true. So, yeah, I, I, and I totally love Sue. Like this, I love this, I love this Sue with the anti-arts campaign because it totally fits in the Sue universe. It totally makes sense. I, I wish, I don't know. I wish the point, the, I don't know. It's not, it's not (laughs) magical like it used to be because we expect it, but it, it's a lot better than what it could be. So I do like the whole campaign in general. Yeah, I mean, it, it, that's true. It's and, and I don't think we've seen the last of it. I mean, what I like... Oh, obviously not, because if they yeah. get rid of it, they have nothing. So they need... <laughs> like, they're gonna, this yeah. is going to drag out for at least two to three episodes. What I like about it, though, is it just kind of... It just injects itself to motivate other things. Like, we've yet to really see Sue's campaign or Finn's uncertainty about his future, like take over an episode it just kind of like provides motivation for certain other events to take place and it creates like an anti-glee club where all you do is like talk or something like like it's talk only zone well and shelby's already creating an anti-glee club which is kind of odd the the episode kind of glossed over this concept that like the school is going to have two glee clubs and they'll be competing it's just sugar it doesn't matter they can't compete they need 12 members (laughs) it's so so odd that yeah they can barely afford to support one glee club because they're always struggling for money except uh, for when no, they're the reason, period the reason they, gave, they gave the school money a whole bunch of money specifically with the intent of also funding that glee club yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, i know and i know there's the april roads auditorium that's you know the glee clubs anytime they want it but that's true they get a lot of money donated to that school <laughs> okay but seriously the romeo and juliet costumes and bed yeah, <laughs> nicer. Just playing around in Kurt's closet. Don't lie to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you got me. <laughs> uh, I, I always say the surefirest way to get your voicemail played on the show is if it is short and or you are for a foreign, from a foreign country. So this is a one-minute message from Christine in Australia. Uh, hi, Justin and Ed. This is listener Christine from Sydney, Australia. I just wanted to share my thoughts on episode two. Uh, first, first off, it was very dense, especially since it was such a major contrast from the happy tone set in episode one, although I didn't see much correlation between the storylines. In relation to the Quinn storyline, though, I thought Mr. Shrew was in the right to call her out because as much as I love Quinn, she really hasn't made that much growth in her attitude and she is quite self-centered. Also, despite how the mood of this episode was predominantly somber, there were a few decent one-liners. My favorite was when Sheila said, I was a foster kid, which means I'm used to stabbing people. (laughs) It's hilarious and simultaneously offensive. And finally, it was strange having Blaine segue the fact that he was a junior, only because he was such a mentor to Kurt, I could only assume he was a senior as well. Anyway, I love the show, and I'll be listening live. Thanks. Oh, thank you. And of course, uh, as I said, uh, short messages. This is the shortest message we have ever received that was that I could, that had something worth playing. Hi, it's Allison. <clears throat> um, I really only have three words for this week's episode, and those would be Mike Chang's muscles. Okay, bye. <laughs> is, that, is that Allison Cassidy? What about Allison? Oh, uh, that's so, awesome. so this is this is our thing. If you can review the entire episode in three words, I'm probably going to play the message. Like you got about ninety five percent on that one. If I remember, I'm going to play that message. Wow. <laughs> the three uh, word review. That's an interesting concept. Which again, like we have so many plot lines in this episode. Booty camp. Booty camp was hilarious to me. 
the whole concept of booty camp was hilarious. Singling everybody out. I mean, I, I like the device of booty camp bringing together a select group of them in, in a unique situation. Yeah. And uh, Mercedes, what was her thing? Like, I, I just think I'm supposed to hit crazy inhuman mm-hmm. notes while everybody dances around, around me. me yeah. Like, yeah, that's pretty much what we've been doing up to this point. Uh, it was also funny that even when Finn got the choreography right, he was still horrible. That was... Well, he wasn't <laughs> I mean, horrible. Was, he's, he's kind of... He looks okay. It he's looks getting okay. better. He's, like, he's definitely he's getting like, better. He's just, you know, kind of <laughs> big and oafish. Uh, well, we but had intentionally so we had Blaine's audition in this episode too, uh, which I know swooned a billion fan girls across <laughs> the country. Uh, and so let's go ahead and take a listen to that. This is something's coming uh, from West Side Story, and uh, here is Darren Chris on the Gleeful Podcast. There's something due any day. I will know right away, soon as it shows. And make him cannonballing down through the sky, gleaming its eye bright as a rose. Who knows? It's only just out of reach, down the block on a beach under a tree. I got a feeling there's a miracle due, gonna come true, coming to me. Yes, it could. Something's coming, something good. If I can wait, something's coming. I don't know what it is, but it is gonna be great. With a click, with a shock, phone'll jingle, door'll knock, open the latch. Something's coming, don't know when, but it soon catch the moon, one-handed catch. So, Jennifer, Darren, Chris, something's coming. I thought it was fantastic. Ed, Darren, Chris, something's coming. I mean, it was good. I mean, is it is this just me that felt like it was tacked on? I mean, it's okay if I'm the only one who feels that way. I didn't think that personally. I didn't. I didn't think it was tacked on. I but thought it was, it was just... like it was, I felt like at the point right before it happened, it felt like it could have been the end of the episode, and then all of a sudden you get that. Yeah. And not to say it didn't have context. It did have context. Right. Yeah. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, 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 it didn't have, I mean, it definitely had context, but maybe not the same flow that, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know which one of you pointed out earlier. It would have been cool if it just ended with Quinn's like, oh, I'm getting her back. Bam. <laughs> Boom. And that's it. <laughs> and we're all left like quivering at the end of the episode. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to be the asshole in the bar. The fact is, is. Although I think Darren Chris did this song really well, and I think that if Darren Chris was doing like a Broadway review and he was like, hey, this is a song called Something's Coming and he performed it, it would be amazing. But in an audition for Tony, I didn't think that this was Tony. I thought Darren Chris performed this song as Darren, or he performed this song as Blaine. I don't think he performed this song as Tony because Blaine has all this like, you know, ex- energy and and blaine is like you know he sings teenage dream and and he's all poppy and young but tony is like a street kid who gets in rumbles and just met the love of his life and he's more like when tony sings his song in the show it's more like he's been kicked in the stomach than he's like filled with joy and excitement it, it, Sho- oh, you mean a shocking a Glee member performing a song with completely the wrong emotion? Yes, really? exactly. That's how I feel about it. That's really that doesn't seem very shocking. So, ta- so if it was just if they just said, "Hey, we're doing something's coming," and you get to sing it, he'd be like, "Great, I'm going to sing it." But this was an audition for a character, and as the character, like I watched that being like, "Yeah, obviously you're the perfect Tony, and I'm going to you know cast you," and because because you're freaking Darren Chris, and like you've got veins in your arms that you know make me feel horrible about myself but within the context like i don't know i just thought it was a crappy audition jennifer i completely disagree (laughs) i I, okay so i've never actually other than my high school uh senior class musical um i've never seen it performed other than the the movie 
and I think Richard Bamer. It it was it was very Beamer. No, is that his name? Yep. Oh, okay. Um, I I think he captured it perfectly. I mean, if you got to remember, Tony was kind of out of the gang at that point. I mean, they were still his, you know, his his, his school friends and such, and he was still really close with them all. But he really wasn't in the gang at that point. He was he was off. He was working. He was trying to make something of his life. And then he, you know, gets dragged along with his dance, and he meets somebody. I think he captured that joy and excitement and, you know, nervous, you know, <laughs> excitement that you get when you meet somebody. I thought he did it perfectly. Well, there you go. Well, uh, and uh, obviously everyone in the in the chat room... Um, Disagrees it, with you? Uh, yes, agrees with you. Yes. <laughs> As well, wow! I've like so many bad jokes in my head right now that I can't say because we try to keep the show nice. Uh, so we're just <laughs> going to say we that was great. We do. Well, <laughs> I've heard two bad words already tonight. I know and this is and it's more bad words than we've ever said on the Google. I, I don't know. Uh, blame Ed. God, okay. fire him. All right. What? What? What's just? Just say it now because what is? Oh in my no, head no no is no no! I was I was saying what I said before. Like I was. I was cursing earlier. There you uh, go. I, I'll just quote Beast. I want a Tony that excites my lady parts. I think that <laughs> several lady parts were excited by Darren's performance. That's all I'm saying. Across the country, lady parts were waking up and going, what? What? What's going on there? Uh, so we had some great moments from Beast in this episode. Beast was large and in charge in this episode. <laughs> Uh, no pun intended um, it was like what was it like do you drink do you eat a, the whole chicken every day I eat a whole chicken every meal <laughs> like, <laughs> so many good things and then, so many good lines the, my Grace. that trio if, if you told me like Beast and Emma and Artie we're going to be a good trio. I never would have believed it. And it was hilarious. Oh, I, and just Artie behind the microphone. Excuse me. Could you do that again? Yeah. He was just, it was perfect. I wish I could give you a standing ovation. That was one of his lines. Yes. <laughs> he, he was great. Uh, we had, uh, gosh, uh, let's get to as many voicemails as we can. Here's one, another one from Massachusetts. Hi, Gleeful Podcast. This is Bridget from Massachusetts. Hello. Um, I just wanted to say that uh, I was a little disappointed that um, Glee didn't do a new uh, another song at the in front of the school like they did in the past two years. In season one, the second episode, they had Push It. In season two, they had Toxic. So uh, okay. must not have worked out well in the past. And <laughs> Mr. Schuster finally decided that it wasn't a good idea. <laughs> anyway, can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about the show. All right, bye. We actually had a couple of people call in about that, how the second episode of season one and season two both ended in a sexually charged riot. <laughs> yeah, where's the, assembly. What, what, what the school assembly? Yeah. <gasps> totally ruined that. Aww. Uh, uh, and here is uh, Marina. Hey, Justin, Ed, this is Marina again calling from England. I just was calling to say that I loved this episode. Oh, my gosh, they tied up so many <laughs> loose ends that had been overlooked last season. Nadina Mendel was great, and Sue's plotline made so much more sense. Oh, I'm so, so glad the writers nailed that, finally. And Mr. Houston's rant to Quinn was just perfect, like, spot on, telling her to grow up, finally, which is all I've been wanting to tell her for two seasons. And, oh, my goodness, how incredible was Blaine's song it was like just, just oh it was awesome it, it's taken me so long to be won over by him but I've, I've got to admit it now he is a, such an insanely talented guy and for, forget her seriously oh Blaine is a star he's got the whole package so um yeah just want to say love this episode and love the show and I can't wait for yeah next show to be released okay bye well, I think we've pretty much touched on everything in the show uh, to talk about. Um, a couple of random things from my notes. Uh, at the end of the episode, when Quinn walked in and she was wearing, you know, the white dress and she'd fixed her hair or changed her hair back. Yes. Um, I wrote down in my notes, Quinn's back. And then she looks over at Puck and says, I'm getting my child back. And I wrote down dot, 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 to being evil. <laughs> <laughs> and seriously, one of uh, Shelby had a line in this episode the first step to being an adult is to stop punishing yourself for being a child. And that was like, that's like borderline Dr. Phil. And yet at the same time, I, 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 I teared up a little bit when she said that. I was like, yeah. wow. Well, again, <laughs> I just, just put everything in question. And I, and I liked, again, I liked that people were 
being honest and, and, and not letting people, you know, like enough with the pity parties, He's, yeah. you know, this is life and these are, these are choices and, you know, it's not what happens. It's what you do with what happens and, and how you proceed with your life afterwards. And it's like, I was glad people were called on their crap. Yeah. So two quick things out of the chat room. Uh, we forgot about the Finchel scene. We had some Rachel and Finn. Not a lot going on, but we continue with the subplot that Finn does mm-hmm. not know what he wants to do with his life. Though Rachel seems to want him to go to New York with her. So we'll see how that turns out. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was kind of it was, it was quick. I mean, and, and it's like I want to believe that she wants the best for him and isn't just being, you know, selfish and wants that support network there. Ed, do you think that we'll be seeing Finn go to New York with Rachel? I cannot say. <laughs> I think we uh, see. I, I don't. I don't. I don't. My my instinct says no. So I guess no. Okay. And then, of course, uh, as GleekFan96 has said in all caps, I think for the fourth time now, uh, we had some Britanna in this episode. We had a very quick scene towards the end where uh, Santana told Brittany that she should run herself uh, for well, class it's president. True. Yeah. The last six senior class presidents have been male and were <laughs> yes. teetering in and out of a double dip recession. So. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see uh, how that develops. Santana was not really; she certainly wasn't mean. Santana, uh, I, uh, she I, was just I, kind I, of. I thought we didn't Santana. get any Santana this episode, but that was that was it. That yeah. was it, though. There wasn't a lot, but there is there was that. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's still it's it's clear that the whole concept of Santana and Brittany isn't just a, a last last season yeah. thought. It's actually, I mean, she, she definitely has affection and feeling still for Brittany. It hasn't waned. And we'll definitely have to see how that goes. I mean, I guess we're going to see uh, Brittany running against Kurt for class president. And, uh, you know, as we all know, class president is pretty much a popularity contest. So I think we know where that's going to go. So <laughs> not, not a lot of... Uh... Well, there's so much comedy, too, in the concept of... Oh, yeah. Brittany leading the class <laughs> it'll be it'll be interesting to see and i guess we're going to get more of that next week the promo for next week next week's episode is insane it's so crazy with like the diva off and and everybody looks so serious it's hardcore so i can't wait to see it ed would you like to thank any itunes reviewers yes i would uh anna calvillo h uh hp gleek which you've reviewed before I know this. <laughs> and Michelle Fan 111. Thank you very much for the reviews. And uh, the reviews help us a lot. So thank you so much for that. Uh, you can email us anytime at gleefulpodcast at gmail.com. I'm a little behind on my emails. So if you don't get a response, it, I, I still, you know, I, d- I do love you. I just, <laughs> it's been a crazy couple weeks. I started a new job and it's been crazy. Um, and uh, yes, but there's that. And you can find us on Twitter, Gleeful Podcast. I'm at Josh Brunel. She's at Jenny B. Creative. He's at Edward Giordani. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for Gleeful Podcast. And that's pretty much where the, the listeners chat with each other. So chat with some listeners. They're fun to chat with. For the Gleeful Podcast with Josh, <laughs> Jen, and Ed, I'm Josh. I'm Jen. Platinum Bonds, do it better. Good night. <laughs> Good night. A thousand faces I reiterate When you're gifted, then you're gifted These are facts I got no wax to cry Hey, what are you blind? In all of the world so far I'm the greatest star No autographs, please Do you think beautiful girls are going to be a star forever? I should say not. Any minute now, they're going to be out. Finished. And then it'll be my turn. Parting words. Watch Downton Abbey. Oh, I saw you were tweeting about that. Yes. I'm intrigued. You you have to watch it. Like, if you haven't seen season one, you need to watch season one. Then you need to start watching season two. You need (laughs) to watch Downton Abbey. Do yourself a favor. It won the Emmy for best miniseries. And it deserved it. That's true. And all the shows are back now. How Much Your Mother's Back. It's good this season. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the only show I watch. 
Community. Community was a, yeah, it was Where's crappy. The office? It was, I started well, watching it, Up All Night, and even though it's kind of a bore, it's nice. I like the cast. I, really I know. Like cast. I was like, oh, I love Maya Rudolph. Yeah. Oh, why does the show <laughs> suck? Oh, and Job. So good to see Job on TV again. Because I never watched his. Ep- I never watched his thing from last year. Oh, and Parks, Parks and, Rec. and Rec was good. Oh yeah, so Parks true. and Rec was so good. Yeah. Uh, I was awesome. just getting there. Job's wife. <laughs> Job's wife. <laughs> he will ever be. He will forever be. <laughs> and then X Factor UK is on because I can't handle watching auditions on the American version. So, but UK is already on Hollywood Round equivalent. I mean, they obviously don't go to LA, I mean, right, right. but but they're equivalent of that. Cool. So Modern Family was good. The first episode of Modern Family. The first two episodes. Oh, I don't, okay, I'm oh, so yes, upset yes, yes. about the about the Lily thing, but whatever. I'm trying to get used to it. New Lily or talking Lily? New Lily. Oh. Yeah, I don't like New Lily either. I I like that she's actually a person now. She's a character. And That's not a nice. drugged up Pop. rag doll. Pop. <laughs> Prop, yeah, I'm exactly. not saying, you know, <laughs> not accusing anybody, but I've met a lot of kids and none have been that sedated. <laughs> 